Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Today's edition of Between the Ropes is brought to you by Suplex Apparel. Find them online at SuplexApparel.com. You're talking about great quality wrestling gear that you are going to love. Good quality clothing for both men and women. Whether you want to get anything with the Suplex logo or you want to get something from the great team of talents that they work with. We're talking about the best of the best. Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Prince Devitt, Zack Sabre Jr., Angelico, Dave Mastiff, Gail Kim, and the newest member, Matt Riddle. They're all a part of the Suplex team. And if you want great quality gear, this is the place to go. You get t-shirts, hats, they have flannel shirts. You can even get a Suplex flag now. It's great quality stuff. I keep saying that. There's a reason why, because it's all great quality stuff. Go to suplexapparel.com. Check out all the different gear that they have for both men and women, and they ship worldwide. You're going to love the gear that they have. I'm telling you right now, go check it out. The new spring and summer line for 2017 is available now. And like I said before, they ship worldwide. Go check it out right now at Suplex Apparel. Find them online at suplexapparel.com. Create your legacy. He is Adam Hangman Page, of course, Ring of Honor, right now doing War of the Worlds at the big pay-per-view coming up Friday night at the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York City. Adam, appreciate the time. How's everything going? Oh, man, I'm great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. So has your life goal been fulfilled now that you've put your face in a crotch of another sweaty man? Yeah, you know, I'm figuring um, that's the pinnacle. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just hang them up. Yeah. <laughs> Might as well. I mean, once you get past that, what you're doing a what's up, you know, and you get to, you know, blast a guy right between the legs, you know, um, in the middle of a match. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. I wouldn't think. No, it, it, it probably can't. Um, you know, and I've obviously never done that before. Uh, there was a lot more contact than I had even expected. You know what I mean? Like it, it's, I never jumped that high in there and just landed face first in somebody's crotch. Um, it was really weird, really weird. Be honest with me. You had no idea this interview was going to start this way, did you? Uh, no, I didn't, you know, um, but it's cool. You know what? I'll just, I'll go with it. <laughs> Can I have some fun with it? That's the wrestling business in a nutshell right there. So I, I, was, I was looking this up. I was thinking about this and we're taping this on a Tuesday. We are exactly one year since you became a member of the Bullet Club. Did you realize that today was the anniversary? I did, yeah. I saw it this morning. Um, somebody tweeted me something about it. So yeah, it's been, it's been one year, and you know, it was, um, it was in the same building we're in tomorrow too, uh, here in uh, Dearborn. What are the chances of that? I mean, it, it, what has the last year been like for you since joining Bullet Club? Because you've been around Ring of Honor for the last few years, but um, you know, we know what a big thing Bullet Club has been in Japan, and now how it's 
come over here to the United States with Ring of Honor. So what has that year been like for you to be a part of that group? Man, it's been uh, it's been crazy. <laughs> it's been awesome. Um, it, it's definitely been a, a whirlwind of a year. You know what I mean? Um, I was a high school teacher uh, when I joined Bullet Club and started going to Japan. I quit that, uh, threw papers up in the air, and out of there. Um, so you know, literally changed my life. Um, it's been really cool though. I've been afforded a lot of opportunities that you know I think I would have eventually got anyway. Uh, but it all happened so fast. You know what I mean? So it's been it's been outstanding, and it's been really cool to know that you know I'm kind of uh, continually part of history, you know? Yeah. And that's the thing that I think people are just now starting to realize like the impact that bullet club has, not just in wrestling, but in culture, especially like explain what it's like in Japan when it comes to bullet club, because we, we see the effects that it has here in the United States. But to me, it still feels like it's even that much bigger over in Japan. Yeah, I think so. You know what I mean? Um, and, and, and I feel like, you know, when I'm here in the States, wrestling is one thing, but in, in Japan, uh, it, it's even more, you know what I mean? It's even more popular, I feel. Um, and, and it's treated, you know, with a little more reverence even than here in America, you know, not to knock American fans. Um, but it's really cool. It's something that feels even more legitimate. Um, and, you know, New Japan has, you know, a lot of different, you know, shops and stuff like that in different towns. Um, so it's really cool to, you know, go in there and, you know, it feels like something even more than it is here in the States. Plus you get those nice sponsored uh, dinners when you go over to Japan, right? Oh, no kidding. Yeah, those are the, uh, those are the best. You know, I was expecting my first trip over there was three weeks. I was expecting to spend a fortune because I couldn't cook anything. You know, usually I do like meal prep and pack it in Tupperware and whatever and save a ton of money all week eating that. Like I was going to have to buy every single meal. So I thought I was just going to go broke having to buy food. Um, I hardly paid for any food the whole time I was over there. You know what I mean? That's so that was best. crazy. Uh, <laughs> we would do dinners and stuff and stay out all night, you know, doing that. And then before we'd go back to the hotel, they would take us by the, the convenience you know, and, and I would just pick up tons of beef jerky and peanuts and stuff like that. And that's what I would eat all day the next day until it was time to go to supper again uh, with somebody else. That's quite the wrestler's <laughs> diet right there. <laughs> no, no kidding. And then you come back to the United States and you're sitting going, wait a second. Where are these where are these dinners? Where are these nice guys taking me out for a nice dinner? What the heck's going on? <laughs> right, yeah, it doesn't uh doesn't happen here. Uh maybe once or twice. Uh but, but that's about it. I still got the uh beef jerky and the peanuts today, but you know, I bought those. So, <laughs> <laughs> so when when the when that opportunity came up a year ago, like we said, how how exactly did that that come up where they said, you know, the guys go, "We want you to be a part of the Bullet Club. We're going to do this angle and, and you're going to be part of the group." Right. Well, it's something that, you know, that, um, that I talked about with guys in Bullet Club and then something that, you know, is more of an official decision, um, higher up, I guess. Um, but you know, that was a phone call that, um, same phone call, you know, Hey man, uh, what are you doing these three weeks? And I was like, I, I don't know. You know, it's three weeks. What do you, what do you mean? What am I doing? Um, well, well, you're, uh, you know, you're joining Bullet Club for sure. And, uh, you're going over to Japan for those three weeks. Um, you know, in a sentence, uh, turned my life upside down. So, um, you know, that was really nuts. Yeah. I can only imagine to be a part. Did you realize like the impact of the group fully until you got to be a part of it? Oh yeah, totally. You know what I mean? Um, you know, we've been seeing it for what, three, three years, four years, maybe even now. Yeah. Um, but man, you know, I don't think I've been to a wrestling show in the, the, those past three or four years where it's, you know, there aren't, a handful of people wearing a Bullet Club shirt anywhere. You know what I mean? Um, and Bullet Club isn't just a Ring of Honor or New Japan thing. It's something that's, you know, pervaded 
every corner of wrestling. Um, and, you know, I knew that going in, uh, which made it, you know, all the, all the more cool. Yeah, because, I mean, you look at, you know, just the way that that, that group itself, you know, is kind of, like I said before, kind of gone into culture. I mean, you're, you're talking about, like, Bullet Club now and, and, like, Young Bucks t-shirts are going into, you know, mainstream, you know, uh, clothing chains and everything like that. And, and to even see WWE do a playoff of uh, Bullet Club, I, I think it just shows how big of a deal that it is. And to be a part of it, that's... I mean, that is a major deal to be a part of Bullet Club and to see where that group has grown and, and where it continues to go. Because I think a couple of times fans have tried to like write it off and it's it's never lost steam. No, and, you know, I think a big part of that is, you know, it gets a lot of comparisons to NWO, obviously. Um, but I think a big part of Bullet Club's continued success is that it, it's different in that, you know, you, you can say that, yeah, there's this huge list of guys who are associated with Bullet Club. Um, but those guys aren't all on the same show or in the same place. So, you know, there may be a ton of guys, but it never feels oversaturated in that one place. You know, the Ring of Honor show, uh, it, it's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be me, Cody, uh, and the Bucks. And that's four guys in Bullet Club on that show. You know, that's it. Um, you know, where you might say there are X amount of guys who are associated with, they're all over the world, different companies, different shows, whatever. Um, so I think that's helped its longevity a lot. So how do you go from, I know you had been a heel previously, but kind of this, kind of the, the good looking, you know, baby face, you know, right. You know, good guy for everybody to where not only do you join boy club, but you're Adam hangman page and you're carrying around a noose and choking people. <laughs> Man. Uh, well, you know, I would say those, that first year or so I was in the ring of honor. Um, you know, maybe it wasn't even a year. But, uh, you know, I was wearing the trucker hat thing and wearing John Deere colors and stuff um, because I felt like, you know, part of what made me different from a lot of guys, I was kind of a good old boy, you know, Southern type of guy. But, you know, I don't know if that's really something that resonates a lot with wrestling fans today. And, and I kind of found that out. And, you know, that made me kind of bitter about wrestling because I felt like who I thought I was wasn't something that those people were interested in. Uh, and that made me bitter, you know? So I kind of carried that bitterness for a long time. Um, and I think that's starting to come out, you know, now in my work, you know, that, that maybe people didn't appreciate what I was then. And maybe it's something I'm still bitter about. I don't know. Um, but, but I think, you know, that shows in who I am now. Yeah. And I can understand that too, because everybody always talks about like, the best wrestling personas are what a person is really like just turned up to the nth degree. And that's who you really are. So I can imagine that you'd be ticked off that people aren't taking that going, Hey, this is me. This is who I really am. This is not really a character. I mean, obviously I'm going to amp it up because you know, I'm out here and I'm performing, but it's gotta be, I can only imagine what it's like, like saying I'm giving you what I got and you guys are rejecting this. Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, it can tear you apart. Um, and for me, you know, at that point in my career, it, it kind of did. And it, it almost took me, you know, I, I had a very, very slow, steady rise in the first few years of my career until I, you know, kind of got into Ring of Honor a bit. And then just kind of had the feet cut out from under me all of a sudden. You know, I became a young boy for the decade, and it was almost like starting over. And the feeling that you get from that, just you know, having almost everything stripped away from you, everything you've ever done, and you're right back to being nothing again. Um, that's, you know, that's what that felt like. Um, and I think it's kind of made me bitter since then. 
Well, how much more do you feel like, or how long has it taken you? Because you've been wrestling now for uh, almost nine years. So how long has it taken you to really kind of open yourself up? Because for, for some people, I can understand that, hey, you're a performer. This is entertainment. It's one thing to do what you do in the ring, but it's another thing to really open up when it comes to your personality. So how long has it really taken you to get to the spot where you feel like my personality is really you know, showcasing what I want it to be? Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I think that's a question I can't give an exact answer to because if you had asked me that three years ago, I would tell you, I just feel like in the past year, it's really, you know, I've really been who I am. Um, but now, looking back three years ago, I would say, no, it's maybe been in this past year. Um, and, and probably in the future, I'll look back at me now and say, you know, no, I wasn't maybe true to myself then. I, I think this is you know, who, who I want to be now. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm not sure that I even have a right answer to that. Well, I can imagine too, because now over this past year, you've been around the young bucks, you've been around Adam Cole, you've been around guys like that, that are these truly over the top personalities. So I, I would have to think that that probably helps you open up even more. Oh yeah, totally. You know, working with him is, is fantastic. Um, and you know, I think it's helped me improve a lot. You know, um, I don't have any, specific examples of that but i just really feel you know, my confidence in what i do um is way better today than it was this day one year ago i can only imagine what it's like traveling with those guys whether it's here in the united states or especially in japan because in japan you're probably looking for different things to entertain yourselves and then you've got these guys that are just like i said these over-the-top personalities especially you know in that culture what's what's that experience like just hanging out with those guys and what they've been able to do for you even behind the scenes yeah that's pretty cool and you know in japan um i would say i kind of spent most of my time hanging out in japan with uh the grills of destiny and utero yeah. and, and Fale as well you know i would be on tour with you know maybe the same time as cole or the bucks but a lot of times they would be just in and then right back out you know, back home or, you know, to ring on or do whatever, but I would end up staying the two or three weeks. So I ended up spending more time, I think, with the Gorillas, Fale, and Yujiro, um, which is really cool because those guys have been there a, a, a long time, uh, you know, so they kind of know the ins and outs of everything and they're able to take care of me and that kind of stuff. Oh. That's been really cool. And hook, hook you up with the sponsor dinners, too. Exactly. Well, I mean, you can't go wrong hanging out with Tamatonga with the stories that he's got and his personality. That dude, he's... He's got to be one of the more fun people just to hang around. That guy, I in just a limited amount of time that I've, I've got to know him, I, I don't think he's he doesn't. I mean, he always has a smile on his face. It always seems like he's in a positive mood. Right? Yeah, dude. He's he's insane. Uh, he's cool though. He's definitely one of those people who's when he's happy, man. He's he's happy. Uh, you piss him off. Oh and, yeah. Uh, he gets hot. He gets hot quick. I can um, <laughs> But to hang out with him is pretty cool. But the good thing is when he gets hot, it's only at his brother. So that's fine. Just let him get hot at him. <laughs> right. <laughs> you mentioned the the whole, you know, your teaching background and, you know, giving that up, you know, once you found out you're going to be going to Japan. So what's that experience like where by day you're teaching, you know, class and, you know, a couple of nights and weekends, you're a wrestler and I'm probably assuming that your, your entire class knows what you do for your other job. Man, that was exhausting. Um, and when I first started teaching, you know, I was, I just turned 20, I think. Um, and it wasn't that big of a deal because, you know, I was doing shows that were a few hours from home. I wasn't wrestling quite every weekend and it wasn't, you know, that bad. 
Uh, but by the end of it, man, it was, I was working seven days a week, every single week. Um, and it just was exhausting. Um, so I was glad to be able to give that up. You know, I love teaching, uh, but to, to be able to have, you know, a little time where I wasn't working would, was cool. Um, but yeah, the, the students, like they definitely knew it. I'm from a small town. Um, so every one of them knew it the first day of class. So I would just take their questions about it then and talk about it then first day. And sometimes the first day that most of it would be me talking about wrestling. Um, but then after that, they, you, they felt like they, they knew everything they wanted to know. So then I could get on with teaching what I had to teach. Uh, that's, you know, what I found to be the best way to approach it. Um, but, you know, for a while there, I was taking Fridays and Mondays off nearly every week, um, every other week or so. And it, it was nuts. I, I spent up, I think, pretty much two years worth of sick days uh, last year. You know, I had, I had some that, you know, rolled over or whatever. And I think I spent two years worth of sick days last school year. So what's the most creative illness you ever had to come up with? Um, well, you know, my school was really, um, cool with it. Yeah. There was never, you know, you never had to have a doctor's note. And if you did, it was like, if you were out for like a week or two weeks or something like that. Um, so you had personal days and you had sick days. Um, but if you took a sick day instead of a personal day, you know, there was no double checking on that. That was your day. You just took it and that was it. Um, so nobody ever had questions and they all knew what I was doing. You know, it was no secret. Like literally every one of them knew. And, um, you know, I would come back from a trip and see the principal in the hall the, the day I got back and he just asked me, you know, how the trip was and, you know, this and that and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, they knew and they were cool with it. Um, and that's something I guess I'll always appreciate. That's good. You didn't have to like say, oh, it was whooping cough this week, uh, typhoid fever or whatever, you know, so <laughs> you had to keep coming right, up yeah, with never stuff. Had, never had to do that. <laughs> you know, the other thing is too, that's, that's so impressive is like, you started everything. It feels like early, like you started training for wrestling. I think at 15, uh, you graduated college what, at 19. Is that correct? Um, yeah, 19. I got my, uh, my bachelor's at 19. That's great. You start everything early. It feels like, I mean, like just, I know you said you began a teacher at 20. So what, what was the game plan for all this? I mean, did you, when did you know that you wanted to be a wrestler? Uh, probably when I was nine, uh, <laughs> You know, within the first couple of weeks of watching wrestling, I uh, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, and there may have been periods where I, you know, thought, well, maybe I'll do this instead. Um, but those didn't last long. I kind of knew from the start that's what I wanted to do. Um, and thankfully, you know, like I had parents who uh, really got behind me and pushed me. You know, and if it hadn't been for my parents, I would have never went to college. Um, and, you know, it was only a two-year thing. But had it taken me four full years to get my bachelor's uh I wouldn't have done it because by that second year I was sick of it. And they were teaching, you know, I was a communication major with an emphasis in film. Um, and what they were teaching us was how to, you know, move to Los Angeles and make movies, uh, which was something like I didn't want to do at all. I don't even, you know, like I just liked playing with the camera and making wrestling music videos and stuff when I was in high school. So I thought, you know, I'll study communication, but like, I didn't want to do that at all. And if it had been a four, four year thing for me, I would have quit. Um, but thankfully, you know, I got through that. Um, so, you know, I'm thankful for that. I, I would have to think that that class curriculum might have to be different now, but considering all the different platforms or social media where people can use video for a job, it's not just, hey, if you're going to, you know, do something video wise, it's not just go to Los Angeles and be a director or producer of movies. It's 
now I can, I have so many different platforms between YouTube or even like Snapchat or, you know, Vine when it was around and everything that you could use that experience to, you know, make a real living. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the year that, um, I graduated from that, it was, uh, communication with an emphasis in film that, uh, film emphasis got moved over to the theater department the next year. Um, and I'm, it may still be there now. And then, so, you know, if you want to study, you know, filmmaking, you're in the theater, uh, you're a theater major, but if you want to study, you know, marketing or, you know, whatever, then you're a comm major. Um, and, and I'm sure it's, it's probably even changed since then. I don't know. Um, but you know, like at 17 when I was in high school and, you know, trying to enroll in college and stuff, I didn't know all that. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I just knew windows movie maker, or iMovie. You know, yeah. That's what I knew. Um, and I didn't know what you could do with it. And yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, people put a lot of pressure on kids too. When they're, when they're that age to figure out what they want to go to school for and what they want to do. You know, I don't feel like until I was 22 or three, maybe even 24, that I really had a grasp on, you know, what you could do with an education. Hey, I'm 44. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Are you kidding me? <laughs> right. I mean, some people find out, some people just kind of figure it out as they go, man. I mean, yeah, there's so much pressure when it comes to that. You when it comes to your parents, you know, being supportive, what are, what are they thinking of you now, you know, seeing where you've uh, progressed in your career? Uh, it's really cool. They're, they're my biggest fans. You know, they always have been. Um, when I was a kid, you know, I started doing little backyard shows on the trampoline. Uh, and one year for Christmas, they built me um, like a wrestling ring around, you know, with, with a trampoline in the middle. They, you know, got a bunch of plywood and two-by-fours and whatever and built this frame and had ropes on it. And, you know, I bought some springs and made the ropes bouncy and, all this kind of stuff, you know, and they supported me then. And I'm thinking back on it now and thinking like how nuts that must have been to have a 10 or 11 year old kid run around doing that and could at any minute break his neck. Um, and then, you know, not only being supportive of that, but standing there and holding the camera to film the shows, you know, that's some good parents um, right there. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's crazy to me to, to think back now that, you know, they were that supportive. Um, and they're the same now. You know what I mean? They're really into, they'll call me every few days. Okay. Where are you this weekend? Where are you this? What do you, you know, is this going to come on TV? They, um, you know, I don't even talk about what I do to them much. You know, I don't bring it up much about, you know, what I'm doing at shows and stuff. Um, but they watch ring of honor every single week and they know more about what's coming on TV, which week than even I do. That's awesome. Did they, did they have any questions once you took on the, the hangman persona? Uh, you know, not really, um, because I kind of told, you know, kind of told them all about, you know, what was going to be happening and, and, you know, before it did happen. Um, and I think the biggest part of that, you know, all that was happening at one time, but the biggest part was I was going to Japan. So then the question was, you know, okay, well, how does that work? How long you stay in, you know what I mean? Are are you eventually going to be over there all the time? You know, that kind of thing. Um, so that's how that was. So how do you take a noose through the airport and your luggage? Is there any questions about that? (laughs) well i'll tell you the trick Uh, i untie it so i just have a rope in my bag when i go through tsa smart and it's always a care it's always a carry-on bag i would never check it because i'm scared to get lost or something so it's a carry-on bag and i have a rope and i'm honestly not sure if you're allowed to take a rope you know it seems like something they'd be a little um wary about yeah i guess you can because i go through you know tsa with it all the time it's legit just a rope curled up in my bag um but there was one time, legit, there was only one time uh, that I forgot to untie it and just threw it in my bag. 
And this was the time um, I was going back home. And it was one of the few times that my bag got pulled for them to go through it for whatever reason. Uh, so I'm like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I, I remembered I left it. Uh, large, very large, uh, you know, middle-aged black man uh, is opening my bag slowly. Uh, and the first thing sitting there on top of everything is a noose. And I just know, you know, like, I'm done. You know, he didn't bat an eye. He just picked it up and looked through the rest of my stuff, uh, zipped the bag back on, back up, and I was on my way. Um, so I don't know if that's something I should have got away with. Uh, I don't know how I did, but that happened. That's awesome, man. That's You got lucky there, man. You never know what they're going to oh, do. No kidding. So uh, how long did it take you to learn how to do that? the uh, the knot for the news or is that something you you had experience with prior to the persona uh definitely didn't have experience with it prior to okay to being hangman uh well, i'm not saying you went around trying to hang people or threatening that i wasn't sure if like you had some other experience like as a boy scout with knots or something i don't know <laughs> no uh you know it was, it was a weird google uh, a little uncomfortable the first time i had to google it oh yeah uh, and watched a little video of how to do it and did it like oh man Am I gonna do this? I'm like, all right. And after the first few times of doing it, you know, now I can whip it up in a second. Um, yeah, it's a little maybe unsettling to do it for the first time and, and realize oh, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. Has there has there been any kind of um, uh, kickback from the audience any time that you know you get involved in an angle and you're using the news? Um, you know, not so much. I think a lot less than I expected because. I expected, you know, this might could go horribly wrong. Um, and I knew it was just a chance, you know, I was going to take. Um, but it's it's been okay. You know, every now and then I'll get a tweet or something from somebody. Um, and, like, I understand that, you know, for, for people who have dealt with suicide, uh, you know, friends or family members and stuff, or, or people who, you know, make a connection to, you know, the racial history of our country. You know, like, I understand those things. Um so, you know, part of what I tried to do since I've become hangman is try to get back to the world, you know, because I know that I can make people feel a little bit more uncomfortable than maybe most wrestlers do. Um, so I, you know, had my first pair of Bullet Club gear a couple months ago, and I, you know, ended up uh, selling that on eBay and donating the money to uh, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. So, you know, I try to be very, very conscious about how I use who I am, you know. Um, and in the few times that I've wrestled um, – you know, African-Americans or anything, I make sure that that's not something I ever let enter people's mind. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because that's when it could so really be, to, yeah, something that would stand out. Yeah. Right, yeah. And, and I want to try to, you know, for the, for the rest of my career, uh, keep away from that as much as I can. So when it comes to, you know, you're trying to give back, you know, when we see what you've done, you know, in selling off some gear to help a great cause... Has anybody had any bad feedback for you going, wait a second, what are you doing giving to a charity? You're supposed to be a heel. Because I, there's, there's been a little bit of an argument about that recently on social media when it comes to wrestling characters in, in 2017. Yeah, you know, and I get that. And part of me agrees, you know what I mean? A lot of times, you know, I'll talk about being a teacher and this kind of stuff. And part of me is like, you know, I shouldn't be saying that because, you know, I, I'm crazy hangman page. But you know, it's 2017, and the fans know 
you know, what what they're paying for, you know, and and, and they know a, a lot more than, you know, maybe we give them credit for sometimes. Um, so I don't want to insult people's intelligence. And really for me to, um, you know, I'm in a position that most people never get to be in. You know, I'm getting paid to work, you know, a few days a month doing the thing that I love more than anything in the world. Um, and it's, it's a blessing. So to be able to have this kind of life, like I can't live this life and, and not give back to the world. Yeah. And I think people understand, I think a bulk of people understand in this day and age, they're, you know, you, what we see on social media and then what we see once we actually go to a show, they can be different. We, we can split those worlds apart to some degree. I mean, I, I know that some people want to keep it all same, but it's just not, totally feasible in this day and age i mean very few people do it i mean even look at kevin owens who even tries to be a heel for the most part on twitter but then at the same time there are moments where he's talking about how great his family is or how much he enjoys going to the zoo so you know everybody's going to do it it's just uh i think it's something that you just kind of have to get used to and i don't think it's that difficult you know um once you get that put past your mind and for some people i understand that they have a hard time doing it though yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, you know, even times, like, I'll question myself sometimes. Um, and I don't think there's a right or wrong answer, honestly. Yeah. But, you know, you don't go to the movies and, and see, you know, the actor on screen playing a character and think, I can't believe he, you know, is like this in real life. You know, you, you throw away everything you know about a real person when you go and, and you watch, you know, that product. And I feel like, you know, wrestling, maybe, yeah, there's a little bit more of a kind of gray area. But it's kind of the same thing for me. Yeah, it absolutely is. So when it comes to what we see, you know, once you get out there, talking to you now, you're just, you seem like a pretty chill, laid-back guy. And then how do you flip that switch when you become this crazy persona once it's time to go out there in front of the camera or in front of the audience? Um, it's pretty easy. <laughs> really? When you're a, a chill, a chill laid-back guy, um, you know, you maybe have a lot more built up uh frustration anger you know bitterness like i talked about then uh <laughs> then maybe some people who are a little bit wilder would have um and you know that's a time when not only or is it okay to let that go uh that's highly encouraged um so it's a bit of an outlet for me i probably wouldn't be who i am now if i didn't have that outlet in my life uh so it's a really easy switch man i'd hate to cross you on a bad day if that's the case oh man no, absolutely. No, <laughs> so when it comes to Ring of Honor right now, you've been you've been with the company for about six years. What, what's the experience like now to see where Ring of Honor has gone? And, you know, it, it's always been kind of, a, you know, kind of a hot group, I guess, to, to some people like um, kind of like a cult following, but even more so now, like people know, like, hey, when the place that I want to go for good wrestling is Ring of Honor. And I think more people know about the promotion now than ever before, especially because of not only the talent there, but also these crossover shows like we're seeing at War of the Worlds, where you're bringing in some of these new Japan talents. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, you know, like in my time in Ring of Honor, you know, I started doing dark matches and stuff in maybe 2011, but I've really, really only been signed and, you know, a real part of the company for, I think, three years um, and I think they've been, you know, kind of the biggest three years in Ring of Honor's history in terms of growth. Um, and that's been crazy to see because when I first started coming around, you know, they had TV. Um, and now they probably are in 10 or more times as many homes as they were then. Uh, and I don't think they had even done a single. No, they hadn't done a pay-per-view when I first started there. And now we're doing several a year. Uh, you know, we're doing these iPay-per-views and we're doing stuff with New Japan. Uh, so it's crazy. And there's a ton more exposure than there was you know, even a few years ago. 
Um, and, you know, on one hand, I feel like some people think that that takes away from the coolness a little bit. And I understand that because people always want to be a part of something that other people aren't. You know what I mean? Uh, that kind of mentality that, you know, I know something that you don't know. Um, and with more exposure, you know, you lose that a little bit. But uh, there are thousands and thousands more eyes on us than there were before, um, which is a good thing for all of us, I think. Oh, absolutely. And I just think you look at uh, Ray of Honor, you know, people always talk about, well, this guy left and that guy left. But then you look at the other talents that come in there or other guys that get different opportunities. And you're one of those guys now that, that gets that opportunity when it comes to stepping up and having a bigger role. And we're seeing that now with this tour. Um you know, you talk about the show coming up, uh, you know, in, in Michigan, it's going to be, you know, the eight man chaos against Bullet Club. And then on the, the pay-per-view on Friday night, Hammerstein, it's you against Frankie Kazarian. I mean, those are big matches. Those are big things to be a part of. Oh, yeah, totally. You know, getting to, to have a high profile match like tomorrow's match, um, Bullet Club versus Chaos. And then, you know, have have the opportunity to do something with a little bit more depth at the pay-per-view. You know, a lot of those matches, the New Japan and Ring of Honor matches, um, or more or less exhibition matches, which is cool. Uh, but to be able to be part of something uh, that has a little more depth and, and story behind it is something that, you know, I like. You know, that's what I like about wrestling is is that part of it. Um, so getting to do that is, is really good for me. Where do you see yourself over this next year? So do you, do you see yourself maybe going to Japan even a little bit more when it comes to the new Japan shows, especially as part of the Bullet Club? Uh, I hope so. I plan on it. Um, I know that, uh, you know, there are a lot of guys coming into New Japan now who, who weren't there before, you know, Suzuki Gun coming back. Um, and then there are tons of more guys that they're bringing in. Uh, so when you look at the numbers, you know, sometimes it seems a little bit, you know, oh, man, I hope they bring me because there's so many guys now. Um, but I'm expecting to be there a lot, I hope. Yeah, but not everybody's um, part of Bullet Club, and you are. That's true. And that's something else I have going for me. Yeah. Um, another thing I think in this next year or so, you know, I've been in Ring of Honor consistently for three years, um, but I haven't held a championship. And I think I'm, you know, at the point in my career where that's something that, you know, maybe above all else I'm interested in. Uh, because for the first, you know, year or so, two years even doing this stuff with the decade, you know, I didn't need a championship. I didn't, uh, that, that wasn't a goal at the time. Um, but now, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm reaching that. Yeah. And do you expect to be on the shows in Long Beach uh, in July when New Japan comes? Absolutely. 100%. You better be. 100%. How can they have shows without you there? I mean, it's the United States. First time for New Japan. No, they have to have me there. <laughs> they got to have you there. They got to have Hangman there. I mean, it'd be crazy not to. <laughs> it was, well, last thing. With, with your experience of your background, was there ever an idea from you or somebody else that was around you that said you should do a teacher gimmick when it comes to wrestling? Uh, no, you know, no, not really. And that's it's been surprising to me that nobody ever pitched that as a thing. Uh, you know, I, I toyed with the idea in my head, but like the idea never went past two minutes of thinking about it um, because it was cheesy. Yeah. No matter no matter how I tried to twist and turn on it. And it was cheesy, you know, if, um, and I think like characters, you know, if you're a pro wrestler and your character is that you're a teacher or that you're the garbage man, you know, not to knock, you know, any other people who do that kind of thing. But, um, if you're a wrestler, you're a wrestler, you're not a teacher. Right. Um, so, you know, I thought it might be something I could do, but I never thought about it for more than a couple minutes before I just realized, no, it's stupid. 
you know. We've already had Dean Douglas. We don't need a repeat. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, congratulations on the success so far. Looking forward to seeing the upcoming shows. Uh, everybody can go to uh, ROHwrestling.com. They can check out uh, all the different events there, including uh, Wednesday night. It's the eight man uh, in Michigan. And then, of course, on Friday night, that show is on pay-per-view from Hammerstein Ballroom, where it will be Adam Hangman Page against Frankie Kazarian. And uh, everybody can follow you on Twitter. It's at the Adam Page. Uh, appreciate the time, man, and uh, continued success. And hopefully we can do this again soon. Absolutely. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Reminder, please subscribe to the Between the Ropes podcast. You can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, the TuneIn app, and on SoundCloud. Rate and review the podcast. Please give us some stars. Give us some great feedback. Hope everybody enjoys the uh, podcast. But like I said, give us some stars. Rate and review us. We need that. We want it. And we hope that you give it to us. Uh, Mike and I will be back later on in the week for the uh, weekly Between the Ropes podcast with the two of us. In fact, we'll be doing that on Thursday night. So follow us on social media and be following there. You can do it at Between the Ropes or you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Brian Fritz and we'll put out the time uh, when we are going to be doing that because... We'll be doing it live on YouTube, and you can watch us live there. And um, you can also check us out on YouTube. It's youtube.com backslash between the ropes, and we will have the podcast up there, the uh, live video of the podcast. If you can't catch it there, of course, you can catch it on the audio format on all the different places that I mentioned before. So appreciate everybody for uh, following us, for subscribing to the podcast, and I'll talk to you next time right here, Between the Ropes. <laughs>